everybody. Welcome to All the WrestleManias, the podcast. I'm your co-host, Tim Hackman. And I'm your co-host, Rich Sigwald. We are always excited to be in the studio with you. We got a great one for you today. We're talking WrestleMania 26. We're resuming our WrestleManias in order, going back to March 28th, 2010, from the University of Phoenix Stadium in Glendale, Arizona. Attendance on this guy is 72,219. Pay-per-view buys in the $885,000 range. And the tagline on this one was, get all fired up. So we're getting all fired up. We hope you got all fired up for our latest episode, the Two for Tuesday, where we talked about Taboo Tuesday and this Tuesday in Texas. That was it was almost too much Tuesdays for me. Way too many Tuesdays. Tuesdays on a Friday is no fun. No, no good. And not even any tacos on these Tuesdays. No, no. But one of them did come from Texas. So, yeah, you know, they probably had some decent tacos in the arena. So that's okay. They could have had some Texas tacos at that Tuesday taboo special, but whatever. Taboo Tuesday and Texas taco Tuesday. <laughs> I'd buy tickets to that for sure. Hell yeah. Um, so let's see. So I guess we should probably talk a little bit of uh, wrestling news uh, before we go too much farther. Uh, earlier this week, there was a big rumor that came out that said that the WWE was being sold to a Saudi Arabian uh, media holdings firm. Um, the Internet subsequently lost its entire shit. Uh, we rushed out a quick little uh, popcorn match episode on the history of WWE ownership. Not necessarily jumping on the bandwagon, but maybe jumping on the bandwagon a little bit. Um, and, uh, after all that, it appears to maybe have just been a rumor or fake news or whatever you want to call it. It's a work. It's a work. (laughs) It's a work. work. It's all publicity. No. Yeah. I don't, how did that even get out? Like it was broken by some like DAZN and stuff like that. So yeah. Who the hell told them? Well, I, I saw it on uh, one of the major news networks that morning. Yeah. Was on, it was at, at the least on a uh, you know sort of running headline at the bottom of something CNN yeah. probably yeah so uh, that was that was fun few days of wrestling <laughs> news wasn't it like yeah uh, and all the racist memes that came flying out too boy yeah, real, real quick people people dug into that shit real quick yeah um, there was like I I heard like a Middle Eastern remix of the SmackDown theme oh, no. and like. <laughs> It was craziness on the internet, and it's oh, the creativity that comes out when people want to be racist is incredible. Good job, internet. Yeah, no, it's uh, that's that's probably the most wrestling news that's been out there in a long time. Um, it's definitely the first time it's been you know front page news from uh, for, yeah, quite a while. Um, yeah, I so here's a theory: what if that was like a like a floater, like a trial balloon, right? To sort of see what the reaction would be like. And then they're like, oh no, that's not actually real. Yeah, I I I mean I just I mentioned at the end of that popcorn match that maybe this is a tactic to lure some super wealthy American like Mark Cuban and a buyers group from another sports uh agency to to jump in and throw their hat in a ring. Like could you see Mark Cuban and, and some other people from Shark Tank throwing in money to to buy the WWE? That'd be amazing. Just to save it from the Saudis. The yeah. Saudis. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. 
That's it's possible. Well, so this is the thing about the wrestling business, right? Is it's still the wrestling business, no matter what else it is. It's still the the carny tradition is uh, is alive and well, and so it's hard to necessarily believe anything <laughs> that comes out, yeah, because they make a living out of uh, bullshitting people, you know, um, right. and being uh, being honest that they they're bullshitting people, which I think is kind of the fun of it. And in the end, it's all about making the money. They don't care. You know, it's it's fun to listen to the old wrestling stories about the stupid and crazy shit that people would do just to make money in wrestling. And then the same thing's happening, but like they're now like WWE is like a massive major media co- company that gets coverage by the Wall Street Journal and Barron's. And yeah, it's like a it's like a a, a, a small market NFL franchise or something like this on 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 scale and price probably so it's i it's insane to imagine it being sold and how much is going to have to go into it and uh picturing uh the saudis buying it was i mean it was horrifying just because of the human rights issues that that many people point out with the Saudi government and their religious beliefs and such. So, yeah, no, for sure. Um, it was, uh, well, so I mean, my, my first thought was, uh, you know, there goes MJF's sort of heat, uh, around pretending he's going to the WWE. Cause I'm pretty sure they don't want like a Jewish superstar. Um, it's yeah. One of their things. And there was uh, a lot of memes out there about, uh, Sami Zayn and his mm-hmm. Syrian background and stuff like that. So, yeah, so, well, we will, um, you know, we're not a news podcast, but we'll try to keep you posted as, as we hear things. You probably all hear things uh, faster than we do. You guys are really quick quick on the social media triggers. Um, just a reminder, though, that we're out there on all the WrestleManias.com. You can find us on Facebook. It's all WrestleManias on Instagram. There's at uh, WrestleManiaPod on the Twitters if you want to shoot us uh, messages on there. Of course, Twitter was probably the far and away the sort of the most active around all this news earlier this week um so that was a great place to just watch the reactions and get all of your misinformation in one place um but we always love to interact with you on those venues so uh, and, uh don't forget our now uh internet tip jar kind of thing that we have yeah thank uh, you com slash all the wrestlemanias and that is spelled ko-fi.com slash all the WrestleManias. And um, yeah, you can you can pop over to that website. And if you like the show, throw a couple bucks our way and um, it'll go towards our server space, our equipment and stuff like that. Because, you know, you're not required to do it. We're not going to put out special content or put up paywalls on anything. Just... You know, it would be, we would be internally grateful (laughs) if, you know, you gave us like $5 towards the cost of the web space or $5 towards the cost of a microphone. You know, we, we appreciate it. And, you know, it's not going to, we're not doing this because we need to stop doing it unless we make money, but you know, money's nice. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give a shout out to uh, Melissa for uh, tossing 15 shekels our way. That was uh, uh, very much appreciated. So uh, she's uh, she got the ball off, uh, got the ball rolling for us. So um, 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So thanks for setting that up for us, Rich. Like you said, yeah. uh, you know, equipment costs have add up and uh, various subscription services that we use to uh, make sure that we can get our content out to you, all that stuff. Um, but anyway, we hope you hope you take a look if you're up for it. Yeah. Be like Melissa. Be like Melissa. She's a good one. She's got a cute dog, too. That's important. Anyway, let's uh, you ready to talk 26? Yeah, let's look at WrestleMania 26. Do you remember what you were doing in 2010? Uh, let's see. In 2010, I turned 30 years old. Okay. There was a lot of Xbox 360, uh, Call of Duty, and Battlefield 3 being played uh, with some crew that I'd met working at a library. Hmm. Uh, that was probably about it. I do remember that my 30th birthday party was themed like a first birthday party. So there was like Sesame street party hats <laughs> and there was ice cream and cupcakes. Um, we paid pin the tail on the donkey and then pulled out some alcohol. But, um, I don't remember much from 2010 and, uh, the only thing on this show I remembered was the main event. So yeah, yay me. <laughs> 12 years going on, well, going on 13 years. It, it adds up. Um, I, I only remember 2010 because um, my grandmother died up in Pennsylvania. And on the way to her funeral, my wife and I were in a horrific accident on uh, route 95 where we got sideswiped by a tractor trailer and got my car blown apart and uh and both of us thought we were going to die um and then we had sort of like the next two years of our lives consumed by uh lawyers and insurance and physical therapy and all the rest of it so that was uh january 10th 2010 that was the start of a, a pretty shit couple of years uh, but we eventually came out of it the other side um so that's that's where i was I, and in so in march of 2010 i was probably um mostly flat on my back or at the uh um physical therapist trying to get my shit together <laughs> yeah um, so anyway but this so this is uh, both raw and smackdown brand um i think we're past the point where they are separating events by brand we've got michael cole boo jerry lawler yay and matt striker yay on i like him He's, he dropped some amazing lines near the end of this event that are uh, what the fuck's happening in his brain and <laughs> why is it connecting to wrestling so well? I love Matt Stryker. Okay. All right. Well, I'll be uh, curious. He was the voice of Lucha Underground. Oh, was he? I didn't realize that. He carried that show so well of carrying the narrative and and just delivering play-by-play with Vampiro on color. I will always like Matt Stryker, and honestly, I wish AEW would throw money at Matt Stryker, get rid of Excalibur. Let's do it. (laughs) We can definitely agree that Excalibur sucks. So Matt Matt Stryker is Matt Cardona, right? No. No, different guy. Matt, different guy. Matt Cardona was in the WWE around this time is he um, on this show i feel like maybe i saw his name i believe he was he might have been in the battle royal oh um, yeah okay all right well that's my bad i was totally confused sorry about that folks um 
Anyway, so that's our commentary team. Justin Roberts. Oh, he's Zach Ryder at this point. Zach Ryder, yeah. Believe, okay. yeah. I knew he had a different name. Um, he's in the ladder match. Yeah. Trying to kill himself. Uh, we'll we'll get to that. We're not trying to get too far ahead here. Um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, Justin Roberts on ring announcing. Uh, Fantasia from American Idol does uh, America the Beautiful. She that sounds nice pretty job. good. Yeah, yeah, she does good. I kind of liked her voice. I don't know. She actually came to town here just, uh, I think, at the end of 22. Uh, Jackie wouldn't let me go. That's okay. Um, let's see. So the first thing on the card is actually we don't see it on the special. It's a 26-man battle royal, uh, and it's won by Yoshi Tatsu, who I, whom I don't remember. But I just wanted no to point out. No memory of him at all. <laughs> I just wanted to point out there's a couple of sort of interesting names on the that battle royal first first of all trent beretta is in there now in AEW. uh luke gallows of gallows and anderson uh who was on this card later but who was in new japan and pro and um AEW for a little while and now is back in the wwe uh, gold dust is in the dark match uh shad gaspard who passed away a while back um Slam Master J, who was actually Terry Gordy Jr., so that was interesting. And Vance, a.k.a. Lance Archer, uh, also from AEW, is in that Battle Royal. So kind of an interesting mix of folks. It's a weird it's a weird lineup. Also, Tyson Kidd is in it, and mm-hmm. uh, David Hart Smith, who's uh, Davy Boy Smith's son. Oh, my God, there. does he look like his dad? Oh, yeah, because we, we see him later in the show. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, top notch. My wife is like really good at recognizing people's offspring because uh, he came out and she's like, "Oh, that's Davy Boy's kid." I'm like, "I did. I hadn't even looked. I mean, I knew he was he was on the show, but I hadn't even looked it up yet." Uh, and this week we were watching um, which one were we watching? SmackDown, I guess. And uh, no, that's tonight. It must have been Raw. And um, no, it was NXT. I, I've, I this week has been a blur. Round and round we me. go. Which one? Pick one. <laughs> It was NXT, um, and this guy comes out, and she like took one look at his face. She's like, "Oh, that's William Regal's kid," and I'm like, "I had to look it up." And I'm like, "Oh, sure enough, there it was." So anyway, shout out to Jackie for uh, like the complete opposite of me. I'm completely face blind. Like <laughs> she's, I, she's on top of it. She'll help you yeah. out. I like I could. I've been marathoning Cheers in every episode. I'm like, "Oh, that's Ted Danson." it's not that bad but yeah i am i have a terrible time of recognizing faces and remembering faces and um yeah i don't know what it is i just can't i can't piece it together can't hold it together it's not as bad as like the guy in like the um oliver Sacks books about the man thought his wife was a hat or whatever but uh i do have (laughs) a serious issue of like not recognizing faces yeah, so then the first match that we see is a tag team match, and it is Show Miz, which is the big show, and The Miz, uh, versus John Morrison and R-Truth. This is for the Unified Tag Team Championship. Not entirely sure why these folks have been put together. Um, I may have blacked out during the promo, or I guess maybe they just didn't even give us one. Because they hate tag team wrestling, that's why. Um Apparently. This is actually like the first WrestleMania that a tag team, the tag team belts have been defended on in like 10 years or something like that. I, Michael Cole says the stat, it went by too fast for me to write down and I didn't feel like rewinding because I was staring down the barrel of a four hour WrestleMania. But, uh, and I don't feel like going through and doing the research myself. I do like seeing our truth. I will, I will always rep for our truth. Yeah. Um, and, uh, 
Do you think who's the better rapper, R Truth or John Cena? Oh boy. You know, John Cena does lay down some fun, fun lyrics every once in a while, but yeah. Yeah, and he's a little bit tighter, I think, than R Truth. But you know, they're different styles. <laughs> um describe uh R Truth as Dirty South, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the you know, before you know, the match they introduced Hugo and Carlos on the Spanish announce table and like mm-hmm. How long have those two guys <laughs> been together and doing it? Like that's it's just incredible. Like their longevity of doing this job for the WWE and having their table destroyed every show, <laughs> every show. <laughs> yeah, I mean they've overlapped with. We should go back and uh, and check that out. But like, I feel yeah. like they overlapped with like Gorilla and and Bobby and with uh, Jr. and Lawler, and now they're yeah. in there with Michael Cole and like. And every once in a while, Tito Santana was thrown in with them, yep, too. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I, I don't remember when the, um, you know, for a while there, they would have the French announced table, you know, and it was always one of the Rougeaus. Um, yeah. I mean, usually they were in Canada for those shows, but uh, I don't know when that kind of fell off. Hugo and Carlos began doing Spanish commentary for the WWF in 1994. Yeah, I took almost zero notes on this match, um, except for there was a guy in the front row wearing a fur coat thinking that he's John Morrison and doing the whole pose like John Morrison. <laughs> and God bless him all through the whole show in Phoenix outdoors. He is wearing that fur coat all the way through the show. Impressive. Yeah, that guy's dead now. Yeah, he most likely had heat stroke at some point during the show. Um, and the finish for this match came out of nowhere. It was like some um, big show just lands his knockout punch from the outside of the ring. And, uh, yeah. uh, John Morrison is out and gets pinned by the Miz. It was kind of like, they're like, all right, guys, that's, that's long enough. Wrap it up. You know, like they just yeah. sort of had some undefined amount of time and they just, it's like, well, let's go home. Um, there's, uh, there's some fun little spots in this, uh, truth does this huge leg drop off the top rope. Um, I don't know how his, his butt bone doesn't like just go up into his spine. Um, I also like big show sort of picking him up and tossing him over his head like a sack of potatoes. Yeah. Um, I like John Morrison. I don't know how you feel about him, but I like him here, especially in his sort of his early run when he's like super fit and he does a lot of, um, Kind of acrobatic stuff, but not in, obno- in an obnoxious way. Uh, I also kind of like the fact that he looks like Jim Morrison and does the pose and the slow-mo and all that stuff. It's kind of fun. I like uh, that he's always himself, and no matter where he is, even though he changes his name every time. And um, I heard him talk about doing that, and there was something about, like, he does it to protect his own name so that none of the wrestling companies can copyright his name, mm-hmm. and each company can brand him separately and not have to worry about anything which i think is uh pretty yeah. clever you know um by the way where the hell has he been in aew he came out that one show and lost a match and then is disappeared he, is, he, is he hurt is he hurt no like way. everybody else on that damn roster at <laughs> aew no like, idea maybe no they idea. should take note that people keep crippling themselves on the show that maybe they should they should address something that like mm-hmm. one third of their talent is always hurt what they should do is get people like 
Morrison to like actually train these people how to take care of themselves and each other so they don't get fucking hurt all the time. Yeah. Um, the, the other two, two quick spots just to point out. One was um, John Morrison's on the apron giving uh, Big Show the business and Big Show just takes like one hand and puts it on his face and just like one hands him off the edge of the apron and yeah. made me laugh. And then um, there's a, a spot where Big Show is like climbing up on the like the first or second rope and Morrison sort of pops up and kicks him in the face and the uh, Big Show does sort of an impressive like full fall uh, into a back bump Um you don't see a big guy like that do that kind of bump that yeah. often. So I thought that was pretty good. Like a freaking tree falling down. It's crazy. <laughs> get out of the way. Uh, yeah. So Miz and uh, show get the win there. We're moving on. Um, it's a triple threat match next with Randy Orton, Cody Rhodes and Ted DiBiase Jr. So all the children of uh, former legends. Yeah. And it takes us like 10 minutes to get from the end of the last match to this match. Because they got to show us like the WrestleMania week stuff. There was an art auction and the fan fest access thing was when you just they just find like people going, this is incredible. I can't believe it. I read the blah, blah, blah. And like, great. We don't need that for 10 minutes. You know, thanks. (laughs) Look at what you're missing. Um, Randy Orton got a huge pop when he came out for this match. I was I was I was surprised how much of a, of a cheer he got. And then like, yeah. And, uh, what Cody and Ted basically had agreed that they didn't care who won as long as Randy Orton didn't win. And so for like the first two minutes of the match, they're just ganging up on Orton and then they turn on each other. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of uh, two on one against Randy. Um, this is uh first WrestleMania is for DiBiase jr. And for Cody, um, both yeah. of whom, appear to be approximately 14 years old. Um, is this the baby DiBiase who ripped off all those people or was that the other one? I think it's this one. Yeah. I think that's so why boo. he's disappeared. <laughs> boo this man. Yeah. Boo this man. <laughs> that sign makes an appearance throughout the show, yeah. which I appreciate. Um, actually, I think all three of these guys are actually pretty decent. And I actually sort of like the legacy gimmick, you know, like I liked it yeah. when uh, Kurt Hennig's kid, was into Axel. What was his name? Axel Hennig. Yeah. Um, something like that. Yeah. Um, he didn't stick around too long, but I don't know. It's kind of I like the nostalgia factor. And I mean, these three are actually, I mean, Randy Orton is still kind of boring, but these three are actually decent. Yeah. There was a, uh, uh, some accidental blood, I think happening in this match. Cause suddenly the ref put on some gloves and, uh, Ted got a big old gash on his forehead. They go round and round, rotating between opponents uh, in and out of the ring. And then at one point, uh, Cody uh, takes the punt from Randy Orton. And then Ted eats the RKO and Randy Orton gets the pin and moves on with his life. (laughs) And so do we. Yeah. Um, There's an obligatory money in the bank ladder match next because you can't have a WrestleMania without one, apparently. Uh, the full participant list for this one. So, of course, the intros take roughly four hours. Jack Swagger, Christian, Dolph Ziggler, Drew McIntyre, Evan Bourne, Kane, who is way out of place here, uh, Kofi Kingston, Matt Hardy, MVP, and all-time superstar, one of our favorites, Shelton Benjamin. Ten people in this goddamn match. Too many. It's too many people. And then Kane, again, I guess they're struggling to figure out what the hell to do with him. And he won't quit. So, 
put them in the damn ladder match. Who cares? Um, you got the baby, uh, baby Drew McIntyre. Yeah. This is his first run as like Mr. McMahon's hand picked golden child. And yeah, we see why he kind of sucks and the crowd doesn't like him. Yeah. The crowd is not digging him at all. No, um, he's got go away heat going on with him. <laughs> he's almost unrecognizable, like without the beard and as skinny as he is here. And he's got yeah. sort of the, the kind of douchey ponytail, um, yeah, I, was, I got a, a kick out of like him. Fabio, and, and... <laughs> he's very tan. Yeah, like you're Scottish. You're not tan. Yeah. Like, come on, stop it. Yeah, take a um, note from uh, Seamus. Um, <laughs> Pale as I want to be. That's the name of his album. Yeah. Um, this this match just goes on forever, and it's the most boring of all the Money in the Bank matches because it's yeah. too many dudes, and like they just don't coordinate very well. Kane has a huge shiner when he comes out. I wonder what the hell that. that's from. Yeah. Um, at one point, the king says that uh, that uh, he's got both men goozled. <laughs> I don't know what that means. And then pretty much out of nowhere, Jack Swagger just climbs the ladder unopposed and takes the suitcase and he wins the match. Yeah, it's not terribly interesting at all. Evan Bourne gets tossed tossed off the top of a ladder in like a full back bump um, that I'm pretty sure was going to kill him. Uh, yeah. I thought there was a kind of cute spot of Kofi using like two ladders as stilts. Um, but you that can tell it's cute. not, not going to work because he's only no. like a foot and a half off the ground. And like, I don't know, know if he thought he could do that to get closer to the center of the ring and then try to work his way up the ladders. I, I don't know. Come on. Um <laughs> Also, like why did damn pancake spots? Yeah. <laughs> also, why did you notice they, they mentioned that Dolph Ziggler graduated from Penn State when he comes out? Like, is that is that relevant? I'm not sure. That's a. Uh, I mean, that's a holdover from Jr.'s legacy of like Jr. Yeah. had to tell you everybody's football career and everybody's uh, uh, college and possibly what high school they went to and if they were <laughs> friends with Vanna White. Um, <laughs> Never forget. No. I, if you, if listeners, if you can't tell by this point that this is one of the most sterile and boring WrestleManias ever, then I don't know. I don't know how to help you. There's no promos. It's nothing. It's so in the brief history of the WWE that I, I recorded, I discussed how WrestleMania, the original WrestleMania, was made to be digestible by non-wrestling fans. And to this point, they've digested it so much that, like, it's just baby food. Like, they just play. You don't need to have watched any wrestling from the last WrestleMania to get to this WrestleMania. Because they will show you a segment. Mm Mm-hmm a video package that takes 15 minutes in between each match (laughs) to explain to you why these guys are fighting and then go for it. And so like they've taken that concept of making it digestible for the non wrestling fan to the extreme. Yeah, it's definitely, um, they've pre-chewed your food for you here. You don't have to do any work. You can just, you just let this slide right down your goozle pipe. Yeah. And like, you just don't care. You just like, 
you just don't care about anything that has happened on this show yet. Well, and it's also all like completely interchangeable. Like if you tuned in to see, you know, Randy and Cody and Ted Jr. in the ring and then just like looked away and then like Jack Swagger, Christian and Dolph Ziggler were in the ring, you wouldn't really necessarily have any idea that the match had changed. No. You know? Except that there's ladders this time, but it's yeah. like everybody does the same moves and nobody does any moves. There's right. a lot of laying down. You know what I really noticed that was really egregious this time was the um, guys laying there clearly waiting to kick out, right? Like, yeah, just sort of <laughs> like not pretending to be hurt, just just clearly just hanging out, waiting for the second and a half uh, to to yank their shoulder up. Um, yep. And it's really obvious that a bunch of spots, especially if I Shawn Michaels of all people. Um, yeah. In that last you can match. see him looking at the ref. Yeah. You can see all of them looking at the ref going one, two, kick out. And the crowd just eats it. Oh, two. Like, oh, man, come on. This is like, there's this, it's all just like blah there's no there's no character to it there's no it's very two-dimensional it's like you you had five minutes to discuss wrestling to somebody that's never watched wrestling and then that person who had never watched wrestling went and put on a four-hour wrestling show (laughs) yeah exactly it's like um you know like uh john mulaney said about the new york post it's like (laughs) <laughs> if, like the New York Times is the news. Like New York Post is like some an insane person who like heard the news and is now yelling it at you. Um, <laughs> that's, what, that's what's going on here. Um, are we ready to move on? Yeah, there's a nice video package after the ladder match reminding you not to do this at home because you can get hurt. <laughs> um, but if you wrestle how anybody is doing in this show, you're not going to get hurt. It's okay. Yeah, you'll be fine. Yeah, you'll be fine. <laughs> you might be a little tender in the morning. But I wouldn't call it hurt. <laughs> yeah. So the next thing up is the uh, WrestleMania, or not the WrestleMania. Oh my God. The WWE Hall of Fame 2010 class induction. Uh, and this is one of our favorite parts of these shows. It's really nice to see the uh, older folks out there and being recognized for their work. So Howard Finkel is back on announcing. He's, you know, he's long since moved off announcing duties for these shows, uh, but he's, there for the, the Hall of Fame. And the inductees this year are Ted DiBiase. Oh, it's a fitting. We just saw his kid. Antonio Inoki, who just passed away last year. Uh, Wendy Richter. Maurice Mad Dog, Mad Dog Vachon. Did I just say Mad Dong? I think so. It's a that's Mad a, Dong. That's a different wrestler. Uh, Gorgeous George, who's represented by his 100-year-old ex-wife, Betty Wagner. Jesus. <laughs> I think she's just there to spit on his grave. She's like, uh, probably she does not look like she liked him. No, (laughs) it's hard to say. She may have been actively dying while we're watching this show. Um, Stu Hart and uh, for the celebrity wing, Bob Euchre, who is hilarious as always. Uh, I think this is actually a really good class. This is one of the better ones we've seen in a while. Um, Bob Euchre's speech was pretty hilarious talking about how like, you know, after what you didn't see after Andre choked me was I turned around and gave him the business and worked him over. Like it wasn't one sided. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then he says, so then after I changed my underwear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, and seeing gorgeous George just made me think of my mom. Cause you know, gorgeous George was her favorite wrestler of all time. And anytime 
we watched wrestling, she would just start talking about gorgeous George and how much she loved him and his robes. And, you know, especially if like Ric Flair came on, she was like, Oh my God, he's just like gorgeous George. Like, yeah. So, (laughs) yeah. Um, and uh, sort of famously, you know, Muhammad Ali said that he took a lot of his shtick from Gorgeous George, you know, his kind of healing, yeah. uh, his insulting his opponent, his sort of playing uh, the bad guy to, to sell tickets, basically, right? So he's a huge figure. Um, and there's there's tons of folks who read wrestling biographies and stuff who, who point to him as, you know, one of the primary influences in the business. Um, Inoki, we've talked about before. Um, Wendy Richter, you know, we haven't seen on a show since like the first or second WrestleMania, um, but she was for a minute there. She was like the female Hulk Hogan. Like she was, yeah. she was a big freaking deal. Yeah. And uh, she's probably until like modern times, the last real woman, woman wrestler that WWF had for a long time until like uh, Bull Nagano. Yeah. For real, not like a diva type thing. No, um, we haven't watched any Mad Dog Vachon uh, matches, but we actually are going to do that real soon. We're going to dig back into WWE Old School, which is a video yeah. series on the Peacock, uh, and he's on a couple of those cards. So we're going to get back to him in a little bit. He still looked the same. That was <laughs> yeah. great. He was still doing his gimmick. He's still living uh-huh. kayfabe up on going into the Hall of Fame in a wheelchair, and he's still kayfabe in it. Uh, He looked like he would take a bite out of your face. Yeah. And um, then Stu Hart, nice memory to Stu Hart there. Um, Mm -hmm. Kind of weird, though, because like Owen, the whole Owen situation there. um, I was kind of surprised that like most of the family agreed to participate, but I understand that a lot didn't. So and that's understandable. Um, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, putting Stu in the Hall of Fame is a great way to get the hearts there if, if you were ever going to get them there right? yeah that's that's the way to do it um, yeah the picture of him you know as a young man looks like so much like my grandfather on my mom's side i have to yeah. dig up pictures on time and show you yeah, yeah there's a picture of him in his um, military uniform i'm like maybe my grandfather is Stu Hart. you would maybe, be so lucky maybe i'm the last uh survivor of the heart dungeon yeah you could be could was be in, you know was in new jersey all those years uh, I've been watching some of the Tales from the Territories shows. Um, someone's been throwing them up on YouTube since I don't have cable. And uh, the episode about Stampede Wrestling is extremely enjoyable. One of the most enjoyable aspects of it is they have footage of Stu Hart actually in the ring wrestling in it. And um, that's one tough SOB. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I think it was actually Brett was on that show. Brett Hart was on there talking about his dad and one, he does an amazing impersonation of his dad. Oh, really? It's incredible. It's awesome. Um, but, uh, Brett, I think talks about, um, his dad, Stu went down to like the local high school for something. And the, uh, high school wrestling coach started giving Stu shit. Like, Oh, there's the fake wrestler guy. He does the fake wrestling. It's not real. And then like, 10 seconds Stu had that guy's foot up his own ass and his neck turned backwards and like the guy's screaming nice um and then Stu is just like yeah it's not real is it ah and- <laughs> what a maniac I know. <laughs> just assaulting a high school teacher out of nowhere 
That's too funny. Um, I will say uh, Antonio Inoki looks like ring ready still. Uh, he yeah. looks like he could kick everybody asses on that stage. Um, and I thought Bob Uecker was dead. Just saying. I just looked. I looked it up. He is alive. Is he really? I thought he was dead too. I could have sworn he died. I know. Per Wikipedia, he's still kicking it. Wow. More power to him. Let's make another major league uh, movie so that <laughs> yeah, you can get just him. a bit outside. <laughs> Love that guy. I'm pretty yeah. certain that the music through this whole segment was from the movie Apollo 13. <laughs> pretty sure it was this time. Not Shawshank, but they went with Apollo 13 this time. Yeah, that's funny. You flagged the music last time as being just lifted from a movie. All right. Yeah, good section. Uh, they all come out on stage, introduce everybody. It's great. Um, really, really nice to see. Um, yeah. We get back to the action. I don't know if that's the right word. Uh, with Triple H versus Sheamus. Um, this is Sheamus's first WrestleMania. He looks exactly the same as he does now, just like a little bit slimmer. Yeah. Um, I, I really liked this match a lot. Did you? I did. Compared to everything else on the card? Yeah. I liked it. What did you like? About I like. Well, I liked the setup to it. So, like, they're talking about how this is Sheamus's first WrestleMania, and he's a young rookie shooting to the top already. And Triple H is just like, you know, I was in your shoes, and then I called out the Ultimate Warrior, <laughs> and he whooped my ass at my first WrestleMania. I got squashed by him. And so I'm going to do the same thing to you. Make sure that doesn't happen. Um, so I thought this was um, this was it was excellent. All I could remember when Seamus showed up was exactly how pale he was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that there's a there's a sign about a few rows back that says uh, Seamus pales in comparison to Triple H. <laughs> nice wordplay. Um, Triple H locks in a beautiful figure four on Sheamus early in the match and is like trash talking him. And it looked, it looks like it's going to be it for Sheamus, but this match had a lot of good momentum shifts back and forth that made Sheamus look better each and every time. So Sheamus gets built and build and build. And then there's a, um, a great false finish after a high kick and pin attempt from Sheamus that like, you really think, Oh man, that's, this is it. It's one of the few times where, like, you didn't see the person being pinned looking at the ref waiting to kick out. Um, yeah, and uh, I also enjoyed watching the guy that was in the second row in the Phillies hat and looked like he was on the verge of a heart attack through this entire match. <laughs> um, and I like the finish that, like, Triple H is acting like he's done. He's laying there playing possum, and out of nowhere, he springs up tricks Seamus lands the pedigree on him and gets the win. And um, I felt like that that's how you lose a match at WrestleMania without being buried. He triple H made Seamus look so good. Yeah, for sure. He definitely, um, he definitely set it up for him to sort of continue his, his path. Well, and the narrative too about, yeah, I got my ass kicked and now look where I am today is sort of helps him as well. Right. Cause like, right. Like, hey, I came back after getting whooped by the Ultimate Warrior. You, you can do the same. Um, I did. I did like at the beginning of the match where he sort of gets in Triple H's face and he's like, "I'm the future. You're the past." Um, yeah. Made me wonder if anybody ever made you know those shirts like the future is female. I wonder if they ever did like a the future is Irish. They could do one of those. <laughs> the future is pale. 
<laughs> the future is pale. That might come off a little racist. I don't know. Maybe. Although, the future is Irish might come off a little racist too. I'm not sure. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. But um, yeah, uh, that was, yeah, I, I, I see your point. That's a decent, um, you know what? The other thing that struck me is that Seamus like still wrestles like the same way. Like he has, yeah, um, his moves and the motion and just the way he um, goes about his business is is very similar. Um, you know, some guys kind of like you know they they change a little bit, right? And uh, but he's like he's it's yeah, almost you like see he's got them like slow a, down and stuff, yeah, or like they yeah. drop a couple of the riskier moves. And Seamus hasn't done that; he hasn't needed mm-hmm. to. No. And he's gotten beefier, which makes him a little stronger so he can do a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Next up, um, there's a long backstory about Rey Mysterio and CM Punk. Um, and uh, sorry, CM Punk's straight edge society and him uh, embarrassing Mysterio in front of his family. A very young Dominic and a nine-year-old Aaliyah, uh, wife Nancy. Um there's so the the background on this one is that if Mysterio loses, he has to join the Straight Edge Society and I guess not drink anymore. I don't know. Yeah, um, go to meetings. I, like, did they just take like the storyline and replace CM Punk with Rhea Ripley? I think they did. <laughs> like, it felt it feels very similar. I know yeah. it's not quite the same, and then like. I got uncomfortable that like Ray Mysterio's like what like eight year old daughter is in the ring and like is in the middle of all this. Like it feels very exploitative. Like like stop exploiting your children in this yeah. <laughs> and this stuff. Like I, I get uncomfortable in general when like the children are involved and they're not of like real age to be involved. Um Maybe this uh, this trauma is why Dominic went to jail on a recent episode of SmackDown. <laughs> it's possible. Have you seen uh, Dominic post prison? Have you seen any of this? Uh, I've seen like pictures of him with the bandana across yeah. his face. It's fucking hilarious. It's amazing <laughs> and hilarious. Like prison uh, changes a man. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, Dominic. Did it make you good at wrestling? You were in jail for forty eight hours. Like that's not the same. <laughs> You're in the drunk tank with Barney Fife. Like, calm down. <laughs> yeah. All right there, uh, <laughs> Danny Trejo. Style yeah. back. <laughs> All right, machete. <laughs> yeah. So I, I assume, um, yeah, I hope, hopefully, you know, Ray Mysterio had a conversation with his kids before all this. This guy's going to come out and say mean things to daddy, but it's not real. We're really friends. It's just a play. Um, yeah. I mean, it's not as bad as like the n- whole dark order, negative one ugh. business, but um, yeah, that kid needs to go away. Like if you just want to like keep supporting them, then just sign, sign the mom to a contract and just pay her. Just keep giving them money. Like, I don't understand. Don't like be like, well, yeah, we can keep you on on the payroll, but you need to like have your kids show up at the shows, put on a mask, and get involved in the storylines. Yeah, we're gonna throw your kid through some barbed wire this week. If you if you want your payment, you, you better show kids, up. Your kids in an exploding death match. <laughs> your kids in a, a in a in a flaming broken glass match this week. First blood, first blood match. <laughs> Your kid's going to be wrestling a rabid pit bull this week. <laughs> Your kid's got to fight mankind this week. Good luck. 
in a cage in a cage <laughs> anyway anyway this is these jokes are way more entertaining than this match ray comes yeah. out wearing an outfit that's um i guess it's a commercial for the avatar movie um I thought he looked like Max Moon from <laughs> the the first Monday Night Raw, yeah. Max Moon, Conan's uh, WWF character. The announcer says it's related to Avatar. The hit, actually, I, I believe they say the the hit motion picture Avatar. Mm-hmm, um, okay. Um, Ray wins, yeah. which is disappointing because like CM Punk and Ray Mysterio just like won WrestleMania prior had like one of the best matches on the card, and now this one. Not. Uh, (laughs) It is not that. I do like that there was a sign, uh, sign alert. uh, Even Jesus hates CM Punk. (laughs) Um, That's accurate. Yeah, it's very accurate. Jesus thinks you're kind of a dick. I should have mentioned uh, that the rest of the straight edge society is Luke Gallows, who we talked about at the top, and uh, a young lady named Serena, which if you click over on the Wikipedia is actually Serena Deeb of AEW. And here she is just being a valet. Yeah, with her head shaved. Yeah, what a shame. Because she's like fucking talented as hell. Yeah, she's great. Um there was only a couple spots in this in this match that I I got a kick out of, and that was when um Ray Mysterio's in a uh, tree of woe situation. He's got his feet tangled up on the top rope, hanging upside down from the corner. And Punk goes for the baseball slide into Ray's face, but Ray does this massive crunch pull up. A very impressive demonstration of ab strength to get <laughs> out of the that. way. And yeah. uh, CM Punk splits his legs upright uh, around the ring post. That was pretty good. And then Ray did an amazing job just through the whole match. And it's every match that he has. He has this ability to chain grapple and time his, these flips and acrobatics just right that you can't, you can't stop watching him. He's this constant motion. And it's very impressive. Yeah, no, he does. Uh, he does some interesting stuff in this one. Um, I could not do that with the uh, the crunch. Yeah, just... and then there's the the finish was kind of clunky. Like Luke Gallows got up on the apron to yell at the ref and yell at uh, distract Ray Mysterio, and Punk comes in to hit Ray, but Ray moves, and then he ends up spearing Luke Gallows, and then Punk gets knocked into the 619 and splash, and ding, ding, ding. Onward and upward. I would have liked to see uh, Mysterio have to join the Straight Edge Society. Yeah. Find out if he, uh, I don't know, so like, does does Mysterio have a uh, substance abuse problem? Is that, is that, I don't understand what the, um, no idea, what the downside of this thing is. No. He doesn't believe in 12 steps. He uh, doesn't want to recognize a higher power. No, probably not. Yeah, same. All right. Bret Hart is back. Um, and vengeance for the screw job. Vengeance for the screw job. And he's going to wrestle or quote unquote wrestle Mr. McMahon in what uh, is described as a no holds barred lumberjack match with special guest referee Bruce Hart of the Hart clan. So there's a long, long, long video recap of the screw job and the aftermath. And um, I was kind of, I don't know, kind of um, surprised maybe the way that they dealt with, uh, with this, because they just, they just sort of say outright, yeah, Vince McMahon, you know, screwed over Bret Hart and, you know, took the title off of him unfairly. And, and I know it's all part of the storyline and stuff, but like, um, Anyway, just to hear them kind of acknowledge that, I thought was 
sort of interesting. I mean, since it happened, they can just tie it all into kayfabe at that point, right? They can just, you know, you can make anything kayfabe after it happens. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I'm getting tired of this parade of matches to just beat the shit out of Vince McMahon. And my conspiratorial brain is just like, maybe... Maybe Vince is doing this to, like, get at Hulk Hogan? I don't know. Like, why would Vince get himself all jacked and ripped and look like a monster of of a guy and then absolutely not know how to wrestle whatsoever and just gets his ass beat every single time? That's a good question. Brett doesn't need Vince to put him over. Mm -mm. You know, all these old-timers that come in and beat the shit out of Vince... Why? How much you want to bet that WrestleMania 40 has Undertaker <laughs> versus Vince McMahon? Yeah. This is for making me the most popular man on your roster for 25 years running. Uh. Right. Right. And me openly saying that I love you and that we're great friends, but now I'm going to beat the shit out of you. Like, I, like it's got to happen, right? That's a I'm good just, question. I'm just so tired of, of this concept every WrestleMania. Vince McMahon versus either future or newly made Hall of Famer to get his ass beat. It's almost like, um, is it penance? Like, is he, is he sort of atoning for all the evil he's done in the world? You know, all the, Maybe. the interns he's, he's paid to keep quiet and all the competition he's un, unfairly squashed and all the steroids he helped sell. Is that like, I don't know. Does he think we need this? I guess is my question. Right. This this segment isn't needed. They could have just put Brett in the Hall of Fame at this WrestleMania and yeah. then you know, and then just just end it and just like have a do it as a peace offering. Like are you so many people would just love would have just loved to have Brett and Vince get along again. Kayfabe yeah. and in real life, you know. And they could have done like a yeah, a brother love. Could have done like a brother love show. Like bring out the little couch and right. a little carpet in the ring, little microphones, a little potted plant, and they could have just just had a like a I don't know a ten minute little discussion about you know Vince. You know I forgive you, and they hug, and then I don't know. Roddy Piper's still alive at this point. You do a Piper's pit. Hell yeah! Fuck yeah! You I know, been, I would have been weeping. Yeah, that, that's a better segment than the bullshit that happens here. So, like, Vince gets on the mic and does this long blah, 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 blah. And one thing I know about the Bret Hart, about the Hart family, blah, 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 blah. And then Vince reveals that he's paid the Hart family to be the lumberjacks of the match and the turn on Bret. And you're just like... Yeah, right. And then Brett lands his beautiful line of, oh, you guys are heart family. You guys, one thing I know about the hearts, y'all got paid up front, right? <laughs> it's a good line. And then. Dick uh, thing to say to your family, though. Yeah. And then it Brett turns around and goes, another thing I know is that we always all stick together. And it turns out the family just took Vince's money and starts beating the shit out of Vince. <laughs> All of them. All of them. Yeah. So Natalia, David Hart Smith, 
and one of them, who's the little guy with like the little flippy hair in the front? It was Tyson Kidd. Oh, that's Tyson Kidd. Okay. Yeah. I those... thought it was Teddy Hart at first. Yeah. Cause I just watched that documentary. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, <laughs> I just watched a documentary on him and uh, I was like, holy shit, Teddy Hart's at WrestleMania. No, it wasn't Teddy Hart. It was this no. Tyson Kidd. Yeah. That, so those three are actually in actual wrestling, wrestling gear. Um, the rest are just in like formal wear. Although Spruce is in like jeans and cowboy boots and a ref shirt. It's weird. There's a crowbar involved. Brett just whoops on um, Vince with a crowbar for like forever. Like to the point where it sort of starts to get a little bit uncomfortable. Um and then he and then, sits down in a chair and watches Vince just sort of flop around on the mat like a fish. Uh, I think it's supposed to be yeah. a cathartic, but it just kind of comes off as pathetic. Yeah, and then Vince eats some real chair shots. Um, he takes an ugly bump on the outside, too. Uh, and then there's this moment to where, like, Brett acts like he's going to put the sharpshooter on him. But I think someone tells him that he's got to stretch the segment out even longer. And so he does something else and then sits down and then, then he locks the sharpshooter on Vince and Vince is screaming. And I was upset that Brett let go of it so soon. (laughs) Yeah. Like if you're going to do this moment, you do the sharpshooter until Vince passes out, like cold and duh. Like, like that's what you do. You finish him off. And that's the whole point of this thing. Not just like make him hurt until he gives up and then, let go and walk away happy. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. So it does, this, this thing lasts forever. Yeah. Yeah. It takes too long. When even the um, announcers are saying things like, this is hard to watch. I'm like, yeah, actually I no, agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with you, Michael Cole. This should have ended like five minutes ago. Yeah. It's hard to watch because it's going on too long. Not because it's violent. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so next up, we get a commercial for next year's WrestleMania. It's going to be, are you excited? Are you ready for this? It's going to be in Atlanta. What? Hotlanta. Hotlanta. Home of CNN. I don't know. I don't know. That was, that's lame. Um, and Justin Robertson has the attendance announcement, of course. They blow off fireworks to celebrate 72,219. Um, this is all very important. Uh, so now we're kind of getting to like the actual, I guess what you could call the main events, right? Sort of the the the, the heavy end of the card. Um, yeah, it's the mid card main event here, basically. Yeah. It's the first yeah. first title match. Chris Jericho versus Edge for the World Heavyweight Championship match. Uh, Edge has been out with a torn uh, Achilles for some time, so he sort of he made a surprise appearance and won the Royal Rumble. Um, that sounds familiar. And now he's he's back. He's going to WrestleMania. He's here to whoop on Jericho. With This is short hair Jericho. Uh, Jericho? I don't know. Whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I didn't. This is a lot of back and forth. There's a lot of moves here that, like, should be the finish but aren't. Yeah. Um, and it it's just nothing but the false finish king. Like, it's just constant. It's just, it's obnoxious. Um. <laughs> Yeah, like, one, I just noted that, like, the rivalries are so boring now. Yeah, where's the heat? Why are they? There's no, there's zero heat. There's no reason for these guys really to be fighting, except for Edges. It's like, I'm angry, and I won the Royal Rumble, so I choose you. Like, great. (laughs) Great. You know? You ought to be angry that his face looks like that. Edges' face is jacked. I don't care. 
like his eyeballs are weird. His he's got a horse face, and I don't like his face. And yeah. I think that's a big part of why I don't like him as a wrestler, because his face just puts me off. I'm sorry, Edge, Adam. I'm sure you're a nice guy. Yeah. Your face is fucked up. Yeah. Again, Jericho gets introduced first as the champ. That's never mm-hmm. a good sign normally, and especially when the challenger has more of a spectacle of an entrance than you do too. So, uh, good luck. <laughs> and th- but now they've done. They do this thing now. They've started at this point, and they still do it now. To where when it's a championship match, they get both competitors in the ring, and then they announce them. Like it's like it's a boxing match or something. So it takes all the energy out of the entrances. It takes it takes away the ability to have a hot start. They can't they can't jump the other guy. So there's no heat. There's no there's no heelish tactics that can happen before the match. There's no stalling that can happen. Like I'm not getting in the ring thing or anything like that. Um, it just makes it so bland. Like they just took white bread and made it whiter and more bland. They yeah. cut the crust off of it. That's what they've cut the crust off the white bread now at this point. <laughs> um, I, I, there was a sign that said, I hope a Canadian wins. Yeah, I saw that one. <laughs> <laughs> Although as we've noted last, uh, on the t- taboo Tuesday, Chris Jericho actually born in New York. Right. Right. So yeah. failure sign. Um, but at this point he is billing himself from Canada. So I can't blame the fan unless, you know, they didn't decide to look at the internet back then. Um, and this is where Matt Stryker starts coming apart. Uh, so Stryker at one point is talking about how edge and Jericho were longtime travel partners in the territories together. No, <laughs> Then he contradicts himself talking about how while Jericho was in Mexico and Japan, Edge was working in Canada to get a WWE contract. So which one is it? Which one? Did they travel together all the time? Or was Chris Jericho in Mexico and Japan and Edge was working in Canada to get a WWE contract? Pick one. You got to pick a side match striker. I don't know. Is he like? Is he drinking during the show? Is he? I don't, um, I don't know. Is he is he sne- sneaking off to the bathroom for a little bit of the the Bolivian marching powder? And he's Maybe just losing his grip on reality. And this match highlighted also, I think, the reason why I don't like Edge in the ring, besides his general look and lack of size, is that um, he has so many other moves in his arsenal that are more devastating than the spear that he uses as his finisher. Like he does DDTs and he does like weird things off the top rope and stuff like that. But then his finishers is basically a shoulder tackle. I'm, I am very over the spear as anybody's finishing move. Um, yeah. It doesn't convince me it, no. outside of Rhino. Rhino is the only person that I will accept it from. Right. Um, because, because his looked fucking painful as hell yeah <laughs> and i'm sure it was yeah. uh because he's built like a fucking fire hydrant and he just launches himself at you at 100 miles an hour yeah uh, everybody else needs to come up with something different yeah and jericho really demonstrates how good he is at developing counters off of people's moves in this he lands he lands the code breaker out of a spear 
is just one example. And then there's some other, other reversals into body slams and arm drag takedowns and stuff like that, that are just really impressive. And then there's a ref bump and someone gets hit by the belt and edge kicks out. (laughs) Yeah. That was the one for me that I'm like, God fucking damn it. Like, come on. Um, yeah. And then, the I, I agree about the uh, sort of flipping moves into another move, you know, into a counter. Um, there's a edge sort of hobbles around, uh, and uh, Jericho kind of flipped him into another code breaker that I thought it was that was a little bit awkward. Actually, he didn't get all of it, uh, and then he gets the pin one two three. Uh, Michael Cole says, uh, world famous bullshitter Michael Cole says Jericho retains the title, but Edge felt like a champion here tonight, which is not at all how that works. No, and then and then Edge attacks Jericho after the match and beats the living shit out of him, puts him through the announce table and stuff like that, or off the announce table and into the timekeeper's table. Um, and I just was like, Edge is going to remain a face after this? This isn't babyface tactics. Well, I kind of wondered if he was doing a heel turn there because I felt like there were some boos for him after the that. The crowd definitely turned on him there, but yeah. I don't know, like... Are they trying to do a double turn? Are they trying to make Jericho a face out of this and Edge a heel? Like, what what's happening here? Um, I don't know. It didn't quite come off, but also we're in a massive outdoor stadium, and it's really hard to hear how the crowd's reacting on on the telecast, which kind of makes it not as fun to watch these large stadium shows because you just can't tell what the crowd's doing. Yeah, I'd agree. Let's look at uh, Wikipedia, see what it says for the aftermath, see if there's anything about it on this one. Uh, On the episode of SmackDown after WrestleMania, Chris Jericho came out to flaunt the fact that he had defeated Edge. Edge attacked him, hit him with another spear, stripped Jericho, uh, revealing Jericho's injured ribs as a result of the spear. Um, Jack Swagger comes and hits Edge with the money in the bank briefcase. None of that makes any sense. then Swagger performs a cashes in his briefcase, performs a gut wrench power bomb on Jericho and wins a world heavyweight championship. I just want to point out that the, the Wikipedia also says that after the match, Jericho attempted to attack edge, but edge fought it off. I didn't see that. That's the Michael Cole um, version of events. Yeah. That's not how that looked at all to me. <laughs> nice try, Michael Cole. Just yeah. lying to us. Anyway, yeah, I mean, not just another boring one for me, honestly. Um, I thought the the few highlights that were there were actually Chris Jericho's, and that sort of makes me hate myself a little bit. Yeah, Jericho is a star. Sorry, it's okay. This is it was before he lost his damn mind and wanted to raid the Capitol and whatever the hell else he's up to these days. The next thing on this card is, God help us, it's a 10 Diva tag team match. Uh, so that is five Divas on a side, for those of you uh, working with the new math. Uh, so on side one, you got Alicia Fox, Layla, Maurice, Michelle McCool, and Vicky Guerrero, who is the cane of, the, uh, of this match, uh, versus on the other side, Beth Phoenix, Eve Torres, Gail Kim, Kelly Kelly, and Mickey James. So it takes longer to introduce everybody than it does to actually have oh, the match, God, yeah. which comes in at three minutes and 20 seconds. 
Uh, Michael Cole, again, starts by saying it would not be WrestleMania without the smart, sexy, powerful divas. Yeah, this, they're trying to change the image now of like they didn't say this was a, a, a 10 woman playboy. <laughs> right. Um, but I just noted this down as too many women versus too many women. Um, <laughs> also too much yelling from Vicky. So like every time yeah. something happens to her, she just she just yells. Yeah, that's how you sell. Um, but uh, I did note that it was it was smart for them to start uh, Vicky in the ring versus Beth Phoenix. Just because uh, Beth is a real trained wrestler and can protect Vicky. Mm. As opposed to putting her in there with someone that's not quite as as uh, ring trained. And that could have been bad. Um, and the only other thing that I noted was that the, uh, the ref is not enforcing the rules at all. <laughs> and he's basically treating this like it's a little person's like vaudeville match back in the day. Like this like, is oh, god awful. You- you crazy kids. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Vicky wins with a splash from the top rope, which uh, Michael Cole calls the hog splash. Oh, come on. So after after that smart, powerful, beautiful uh, women's content uh, comment, he uh, is body shaming Vicky Guerrero. Great. Great. Way to way to uh, stick with it, guys. Yeah. Michael Cole's uh, nothing if not a feminist. The um, yeah, basically everybody comes in, does one move, poses, and then goes out again. And yeah. then once they run through all ten people doing that, then the match is over. So, and we're not going to talk about that anymore. Um, these have been a low light of all of the WrestleManias <laughs> that we've watched lately. Um, it's so, one of the better women's matches of the recent WrestleManias that we've watched. It's yeah, an actual or match, even yeah. just the 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 recent pay per views that we've watched, but God damn it, man! Like <laughs> you have Serena Deeb there, and she's just a valet. Meanwhile, you put this on, dude. They could have put Beth Phoenix and Serena Deeb in there for fifteen minutes. I would have been with it. Yeah, all in, all in. Lost opportunity. Where's Jackie? Jackie should have been around too. Yeah. Anyway, next up. Almost there. WWE Championship match. John Cena versus Batista. So they faced off at the Elimination Chamber last month. And Batista got the belt. Um, so they're they're back at it. This is the rubber match here. Um, the entrances take forever, of course. Uh, John Cena has a an elaborate entrance with the Air Force National Guard drill team. It's fucking stolen valor bullshit, man. You're not really a Marine. Just because you were in a movie, the Marine. It's not. Hey. You don't know. You don't know what he sacrificed. He's fuck. I heard they ran out of granola bars at catering on day three. Day three. No. <laughs> How would you know you weren't there? Um. Anyway, yeah. There's some good signs for this one. There's one that says Norway hates Cena. Uh, yeah. That's pretty specific. There's also like nine people with individual letters uh, spelling out Cena sucks. So I appreciate the coordination yeah. there. I like the uh, Batista likes fish sticks sign. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, the crowd, I'd say, is decidedly anti-Batista, though, like for the most part. I, I put it at like 70-30. Yeah, and there was a sign that said like a, a big bag of bread, a big loaf of bread, something like that. Oh, it was just a sign that said that. 
big oaf of bread. It said big it had, oaf of bread. There we go. And it had Batista's face on a loaf of bread. A loaf, oaf. You get nice. it. I like the entry, like the setup video for this quite a bit. Cena's calling Batista by his first name. So it's kind of like breaking the, the kayfabe wall of just calling him Batista. He's calling him Dave. And uh, Batista is angry that he isn't the poster boy of the company. And Batista claims that for some reason they pass the torch from Stone Cold to Cena. And then they show the clip of of uh, Stone Cold at the at the uh, Hall of Fame tossing the beer to Cena. Um, and then Cena says that Batista does this out of money, but Cena does it out of love. And then Batista comes back with the line every time we're in the rain together bad things happen to you (laughs) good line that's pretty good yeah i like that so there's um there's lots of kind of slow sort of grinding tests of strength submission moves batista's working on cena's neck throughout this um i like i don't know i I like john cena i like uh, batista um i think together they actually they actually do pretty well um, they're not the most exciting wrestlers in the world, but they are definitely like professional and legit, right? They both came up from OVW. They both know how to do this stuff. Yeah. I, I it's still just like too blah. It's all yeah. blah. I like you could substitute any, any <laughs> of the muscle bound guys into this match. Uh, I don't, I just, I mean, Batista is a stud, but I just wish his moves actually looked a bit more crisp. Mm-hmm. You know, like he just looks a little rough around the edges with things still for some reason. There's a weird suplex and Batista lands really awkwardly. Um, And then like Cena actually stands up with Batista on his back. Like that was, that's nuts. Kind <laughs> um, of Rick Boogs himself. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Blow out its clutch. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a handful of like sloppy moves in this one. There's one where yeah. Cena kind of loses the handle on the attitude adjustment, um, and and Batista kind of like flies off before he was supposed to. Yeah. Um, there's also some weird move with Cena like jumping on to Batista um, that I didn't quite understand what was supposed to be happening, um, but I don't know. That's all right. Yeah, it's... and then they exchange each other's finishers. So like, Batista uh, Cena takes a massive power bomb from from Batista, but you know Cena kicks out, <laughs> and then Batista kicks out of the attitude adjustment. Like, and then eventually Batista taps out to like the the whatever it's called, um, whatever that ankle lock thing that he that Cena uh, does. I can't the STFU. Care. Yeah, I can't care. The STFU. Yeah. Um, and then again, like the whole ring entrance thing for this match was like Batista gets introduced first and he's the champion. I'm just like, oh, right. Yeah. Okay. So we're telegraphing this again. And then also you're just like, well, Cena must have some sort of bullshit entry coming up if, if it is. <laughs> and it's like three minutes of the Air Force Honor Guard twirling rifles. Like, yeah, it's cool for like 30 seconds. And then you're just like. And then you remind yourself that he's not really a Marine. He's not in the military. He was never in the military. Why does he have an honor guard drill team? He's got a buzz cut, Rich. He's got a buzz cut. And he know and he salutes. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the seventh championship for Cena out of an eventual 13, by the way. So roughly mid midway, actually exactly midway in his, uh, 
in his run. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other, okay. So the other thing that bothers me, and I know this is not an unusual thing, but like everybody, both of these guys having ridiculous names for all of their moves, um, the five knuckle shuffle, the Batista bomb, the attitude adjustment, the STFU. Um, it just, it's, it makes it like a video game, right? Like, like, Oh, you press the four button combination that gave you the Batista bomb. And I mean, that's, that's really in general, them moving away from wrestling and like (sighs) Michael Cole doesn't know the name of wrestling moves. (laughs) He doesn't. And honestly, nobody has nobody on WWF commentary has known the name of wrestling moves since gorilla monsoon. You listen to Vince McMahon on Monday night raw in the early rolls and even on the pay-per-views, he's like, Oh, what a maneuver. Oh, look at that. That hold, that hold, you know, like what a vicious hold, what a vicious move, a, a horrifying maneuver. Like he doesn't actually say like, Oh, well that's a fisherman suplex. Yeah. You know, they just and continue that. And then now they can like slap branding. Like the move name is part of the wrestler's brand it's just and it gets out of control and it's just more and more pulling away from wrestling tradition well you can put a sticker on the action figure that says with batista bomb action right you know kung fu grip anyway it's time for another commercial the dvd for Shawn michaels my journey Um, please don't buy me that for christmas next year (laughs) i'll throw it in the trash i'll throw it right in the fucking trash i don't want it I don't care about Shawn Michaels or his journey. Don't you want um, to pinpoint the moment that his eyes stop looking in the same direction? I thought it was might be in this match, actually. Um, he's up against The Undertaker in a no-disqualification streak versus career match. So Shawn has to retire if he loses. Um, the Undertaker doesn't have to give up anything, but he loses his streak. Uh, it's at 17-0 and 0 when his thing begins. Um, so, you know, we had a really good... Sean versus Undertaker match in a previous WrestleMania where there yeah. there was good versus evil and light versus dark and Satan versus the one-eyed Christ or whatever he was supposed to be. Um, but this doesn't have that. Yeah. So like more, more craziness out of Matt Stryker at the start of the, right before the start of this match. I think they're talking about like another event that's going to be at Baltimore or something. And for some reason, Matt Stryker says some of the greatest minds have come out of Baltimore. <laughs> and even Michael Cole true? and Jerry Lawler are like, what? <laughs> Does Matt Stryker know us? I don't Possibly, Possibly. Is he talking about Edgar Allan Poe? I hope not. Cause Edgar Allan Poe isn't even from Baltimore. He's from Boston. <laughs> he just lived in Baltimore for a while. Is he talking about uh, David Simon? Maybe. Mm. Maybe. It could be David Simon. Yeah. I would, I'd rep for that. <laughs> I, yeah, think or, I think he's on the cocaine. That's what I think is happening here. Yeah. Or maybe that doctor that Alan Rickman played at, that, that like did the heart transplant things or whatever with most deaf, you know, about at Hopkins or whatever. And that what half the Lord made HBO movie thing. I don't know. I don't know anymore. The greatest minds have come out of Baltimore. Okay. Babe Ruth, Cal Ripken. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Ray Lewis. 
Ray Lewis isn't even from Baltimore. Okay. I got nothing. I don't know yeah. anybody from Baltimore, apparently. <laughs> um, Marty, uh, Marty Bass. Marty Bass. Marty Bass. Marty, I'm Marty Bass. <laughs> Marty Bass. All right. So now we're getting really regional and direct. In our a, yeah. He was a weatherman on WJZ 13 for uh, those of you outside <laughs> the greater Balmer region. And Bob on. Turk. Bob Turk. <clears throat> anyway, moving on. Um, I don't know. Everybody's looking old and tired. Sean's overselling. Uh, I'm looking. There's a lot of him tired. laying around waiting to kick out. Um, yeah, I, I like the end of this one, but uh, I don't want to jump ahead. No, so like early on in this match, Undertaker tweaks his knee for real lives, and that uh, that puts a definite damper on everything that they plan to do in this match, and it's kind of sad. Um, but like, um, I liked that they introduced the Undertaker from Death Valley again. That was that was a nice touch, throwback to way back when. And then uh, I also enjoyed the opening of the match where like the Undertaker's doing his whole spectacle and like brings up the lights and stuff. And Shawn Michaels is just like staring down the Taker, like looking at him like your shit's corny. <laughs> Let's come on. And then Matt Stryker delivers again. Matt Stryker says, blessed is the man who doesn't respect the proud. <laughs> so Matt Stryker here is paraphrasing Psalms 40. Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Wow. Yeah. Matt Stryker is getting deep here, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then this yes. is where I also noticed a sign that said, Hosen stinked, uh, which is German for pants stink. The path of the righteous man is beset on all sides <laughs> by the iniquities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. <laughs> all right, Samuel. Let's <laughs> blessed is he in the name of charity and goodwill. Anyway, sorry. Uh, I I I got a huge kick out of them trying to compare the Undertaker's streak to other sports like Lou Gehrig's uh like uh, streak and stuff like that. It was like, but Undertaker's finishes are preset. It's not, it's just, imp- it's just impressive because he's wrestled this long, not because he's won 17 matches in a row at WrestleMania. Yeah. It's not like, I mean, he, he basically just has not died. Right. Or, or crippled himself. That's, that's his primary achievement. And then, uh, there's a near fall on a choke slam. Chokes, he choke slams, uh, uh, Sean, but Sean kicks out. Uh, Striker lands another uh, pseudo Christian line of "He is risen." <laughs> Sean Michaels kicks out. Uh, man, Sean um, gets caught in that sort of bullshit MMA armbar thing that the Undertaker does, uh, which yeah. they call the Hellscape, which is one of the lamest things I've ever heard. Like it's just it's just an armbar, man. Let's let's take it down a notch. Yeah, stri- uh, when he gets in that Striker says i've been in that hold you pass out immediately <laughs> that's not true <laughs> what does he think is happening i don't know he matt striker is on fire through this whole match <laughs> uh he says this is it wrestlemania a chance to live forever after Shawn michaels takes a tombstone on the outside he just um, killed that man he's not gonna yeah. live forever 
I like that Shawn Michaels gets the Undertaker in a leg lock at one point, and Undertaker gets out of it by just repeatedly kicking Shawn in the face. Like that's a <laughs> that's a good that's a good tactic. Um, that's and, a pro move for sure. Yeah. And uh, Sean goes up to drop an elbow on the Undertaker, and the Undertaker pulls his uh, knees up, and so Sean's elbow goes into Undertaker's shin. There's like, there's no way that did not hurt. Holy shit! And they actually both sell it. Yeah. So Undertaker. Undertaker. I don't think Taker was selling it. I think <laughs> I think that should just legitimately hurt. Yeah. So he goes. He it builds on the uh, earlier tweak of the knee, and of course, you know, Sean catches the the shins to the face or the chest or whatever. Um, and then, um, yeah, there's a sweet chin music and a kick out, of course. Um, yeah, but that was a good moment. I like that moment. Yeah. Because Shawn Michaels now gives the stunned face that the undertaker had at the previous WrestleMania after Shawn kicks out of the tombstone. And like the undertaker like sits there, like with his eyes wide open, un- confused as to how that's not the end of the match. But Sean does that now, and the camera catches it, and it's a, it's a great moment. And another sh- Matt Stryker line comes after that, as we auditioned our entire lives for this moment. All right, Matt Stryker, okay. <laughs> I'm glad this is the moment you were waiting for. See, he, he knows he's not in the ring, right? Yeah, I don't know. Does Matt Stryker know where he is? <laughs> I think he thinks he's actually fighting this match. Could we put out a silver alert for Matt Stryker? Yeah. Hmm. And then the big right. spot of the match. Big spot of say, the match is. I was say, the, are we ready? Yeah. Undertaker is laid out on the announce table. Spanish announce table. Of on course. the Spanish announce table. Poor Carlos and Hugo are about to, <laughs> about to suffer more indignity. Um, and Sean climbs to the top rope of the ring. And moonsaults from the top onto the injured leg of the Undertaker on the announce table. And everything collapses. It's, oh my God. That's the big, uh, I said, holy shit, before Sean even jumped. It was like, <laughs> oh God, I know where this is going. Yeah. Yeah, this this show is lacking in uh, oh shit moments, not to jump ahead too much. Um, but that's the only legitimate one, I would think. Um, I think so, yeah. There wasn't yeah. even anything in the ladder match. No, I think you can, you can see Sean's eyes just cross irreversibly at that point. Yeah. It's like they're, they're done now. His eyes are no longer separate. And then they get back in the ring and Michaels lands a super kick for another amazing false finish. And then Michaels goes for one more super kick and he whiffs and lands right into a choke slam and then tombstone. And you're like, this is it. That's it. Nope. Shawn Michaels kicks out of the cross arm pin. The the crowd is popping at that point. The crowd is losing its goddamn mind. Yeah. They're having a fucking meltdown. I mean, they've been bored for the last three and a half hours, so yeah. I don't blame them. It's Phoenix. Uh, it's 900 degrees. They're wearing fur coats. They're just they're losing it. Finally, the eight previous dark matches are over, and the first <laughs> match of the pay-per-view can start, right? Um, and then... I love at this moment that they're still calling Undertaker the Phenom, which was a nickname given to him by Gorilla Monsoon. Like Gorilla Monsoon started calling him that. So like they're calling way back here. Undertaker's been there for 20 years now. You know, so it's a nice thing. And then 
uh, Undertaker uh, pulls a Lawler and, and pulls down his straps like this is it. And it's and it's great that Lawler sees him do that and immediately goes, uh oh. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a good moment. I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah. Michaels comes pawing and crawling to his feet, using the Undertaker to get up, and then Sean looks at Undertaker right in the face and crosses his own throat, telling the Undertaker to finish him. And Undertaker is like not wanting to do it, and then he slaps the shit out of the Undertaker, like big old paintbrush of slap. And Undertaker's like, motherfucker, it's on. <laughs> Kicks him in the gut, spins him around into the tombstone position, and he does the old school tombstone. The jumping that, tombstone. That he used to do to, to the jobbers way back in the day and leave them paralyzed, probably. Where not just falling to his knees into the pile driver, he jumps in the air and lands on his knees to put him out. I imagine he mostly stopped doing that because that's just, that's just got to be brutal on his own knees. <laughs> on his own knees, the other guy's spine. You know, <laughs> he's he's performing uh, cervical in, like in, uh, fusions doing that move. He's yeah. just like, let me fuse your back for you. Everything's aligned now. Yeah. Um, um, right before the right before the Sean like pawing up, climbing up uh, Undertaker's leg and slapping him, um, you know, right after he pulls down the straps, he's kind of like standing there and he starts to do the throat cut motion and then sort of stops himself. And he just looks at, he looks at Sean um, and like, you can kind of see it in his face. He's like, what the fuck dude? Like just stay down, you know, like, so, yeah, just, like, quit, like just leave it. And like, you just, it's just sort of a, it's a cool moment. He kind of like utter disbelief that this guy just won't fucking lay down. Like, yeah. Just give it um, up. Yeah. Yeah. Jumping tombstone pin RIP Sean. Lots of pyro. Lots of pyro. Undertaker's 18 and 0. Um, everybody's exhausted. Taker um, like does his little pose for like a second and then is like, does it too exhausted to deal with it? Um, and then uh, he helps Sean get up and then they like hug and I just mo- mark down. They look like they should kiss at this point. <laughs> So you can see the Undertaker mouth, uh, you're one tough son of a bitch to Sean. Um, and then I, a really nice moment, actually. I thought yeah. Undertaker just sort of ducks down and rolls out of the ring and leaves Sean alone there. I mean, Undertaker should stay. He's the one who won, but he gets out of there. And you can see Sean mouth thank you to him. Um, and then, of course, he's standing there basking in the fan adulation. He's crying. He's pointing to the sky. He's praying. Um he takes his time getting up the ring to shake everybody's hand, including the guy with the sign that says this match sponsored by AARP. Um, so that was, that was pretty graceful. I thought <laughs> gracious. Yeah. Um, I like, I like that sign. Um, and then Sean says something like I'm going to my kids in three weeks. I couldn't make out the, the middle there. Like he's talking to someone like this, telling him like his, uh, his plans or something. It's weird. Um, <laughs> going to Disneyland. Yeah. And then uh, right as the telecast ends, we have Jerry Lawler saying, goodbye, we'll miss you. I still don't like Sean, but that was a nice ending. Yeah. I still don't want to watch the DVD. You should. Don't buy me the DVD. Yeah. Well, that wraps up a fairly mediocre and underwhelming WrestleMania, but I had fun talking about it with you. Um do we, I mean, best match Undertaker, Sean, obviously. Yeah. I mean, it's the next closest I would say would probably be edge versus Jericho. 
But yeah, it's going to be Sean versus Undertaker by a mile, just partially because of Matt Stryker. He makes this <laughs> he makes this match amazing. You have to give him special mention when we get around to our 2023 year in review. So make sure you make a bookmark for that. We auditioned our entire lives for this. That's how we should start our. Uh, that's how we should start the podcast. The worst matches, the divas. I yeah, because it actually was a match this time, so I'll give yeah. it that. And it's right behind it is going to be Brett and Vince. Yep. I hate putting Brett in that, but here it's we are. It's not his fault. No. I'm. I'm. Oh, it's very close between those two, though, just because Brett and Vince went on forever. I thought about it too, but um, all the screaming from Vicky really is what what did me in. Like I couldn't. I couldn't do it. Um, and then for an oh shit moment again, I sort of mentioned this. The show's sort of really lacking in any kind of real surprises. It just seems very safe, very sterile, very uh, polished and high gloss, and nothing seems particularly interesting or dangerous. So I mean, for me, it's Sean's moonsault. Uh, that's, I mean, that's really the only, like, I mean, there, yeah. I'm sure there were some dangerous spots during some of those other matches, but nothing really, this, that was the only thing that really like popped me and made me pay attention. So that's, that's a, that's an oh shit. Like, just because like this, this entire event is just like a flat line and then there's that blip and then, and then uh, Undertaker's jumping tombstone would probably be second. And then rolling out gorgeous George's 100 year old ex-wife was probably third. Yeah, that was pretty good. Because <laughs> honestly, all all of these matches look the same except for Sheamus versus Triple H. That match was I only like that match because they did such a good job of making Sheamus look good. I don't like saying that about Triple H, but here we are. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be yeah. <laughs> Though for some reason, I enjoyed watching this. Okay. I don't know why. Maybe I was just in a really, really good mood that day. Maybe. Maybe. Did you do as much cocaine as Matt Stryker? That would did it. No, no, I did not. I very much did not. You know, <laughs> even though some of the greatest minds have come out of Baltimore, I, I did not. Greatest um, minds on cocaine and laudanum. Yeah. yeah, I just i I enjoyed watching this. It's still not going to get a high rating from me, but for some reason, uh, I don't know if it's just because I like the hurt a little bit or what, but I, I, I enjoyed watching this one. So what are you, what would you rate this on a scale of five? Oh man. I'm probably, probably like two stars, I think. Um, and one of those stars is for the last match. Yeah. Uh, and one of those stars is just for not being WrestleMania 11. That's that's it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think I'm probably around two stars as well. Um now that I'm thinking about the reasons why I liked watching it and I think it's because I fell victim to the to the making it digestible for non-wrestling fans stuff. For some reason they did a really good job with that one and it made me like this show despite I'm being a wrestling fan and I was still watching wrestling regularly when this was on gonna get your uh, wrestling cred card pulled i know i i just don't this time i i I think i didn't even really like it when i when it first was on (laughs) but this time i kind of i kind of enjoyed it and i think it's just i think it might have just been because it was a stressful time when i watched it 
and this was mindless. I it is. It goes down easy. That's for sure. I didn't have to think about it at all. I got. Yeah. I was caught. Up, brought up to date by all the video segments. <laughs> I, I didn't need to have any kind of context going into the show, and the way the show ends and way everything, all the matches end in this thing. Everything is resolved. It's all tidied up. What are the storylines going forward after this? What were the storylines coming in? It doesn't matter. Yeah, it really doesn't. Like it's it's really of no consequence. I mean, a belt changes hands. Yeah. Um, somebody's career ends, but and in that uh, way, it's like WrestleMania one, where like yeah. there's no storylines coming in, there's no storylines going out, there's no you know. It's uh, it's like a black box, basically. It's just right. like it's just yeah, interesting. Well, we do uh, like to take a moment to pay tribute to our uh, performers who we've seen in this WrestleMania. So our In Memoriam section for WrestleMania 26 from 2010 includes Shad Gaspard, who was in that Dark Battle Royal match, Howard Finkel on announcing duties during the Hall of Fame, Antonio Inoki, Roddy Piper, who uh, inducted Wendy Richter into the Hall of Fame that year, Pat Patterson, who inducted Mad Dog Michonne, Mad Dog Michonne himself, Gorgeous George, a.k.a. George Wagner, and his ex-wife Betty Wagner, and Stu Hart. We hope you've enjoyed listening along as we talk WrestleMania 26. Remember, you can catch us on allthewrestlemanias.com. Uh, Shoot us an email at allthewrestlemanias at gmail.com. On the Twitters at, at WrestlemaniaPod. Check out that Ko-Fi, Ko-Fi, uh, all the WrestleMania site if you'd like to leave us a little tip for the show. Uh, check our Instagram, Facebook, etc., etc. We're always happy to hear from you. Uh, and we will be back in the studio pretty soon we're going to look at some old school wrestling and uh, and uh and probably a few other fun things in the near future so so for now i am tim and i'm rich saying so long everybody goodbye we'll miss you